welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 44, Return to Writing in a Kindle World, an interview with Luella Nelson, coming to you on Thursday, March 29th, 2018. This is our fourth and final episode in our series on writing in Amazon's Kindle Worlds, and today's guest, Luella Nelson, is a sweetheart and incredibly knowledgeable about the writing craft. She also has some wonderful encouragement for anyone who's taken a break from writing but is ready to get back into it. I think you're going to find it's a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is best-selling author Luella Nelson. Luella is a professional editor and mentor, an award-winning university writing instructor, and is multi-published in romance fiction, both historical and contemporary, as well as nonfiction. She has been president of the Orange County chapter of the Romance Writers of America, coordinator of the National RWA Conference, and a speaker at RWA National, as well as chapter and regional conferences. She is at work on Bestseller Secrets, a series for writers. Luella lives in Southern California, where gardening, body surfing, and taking extra special care of her kitties augment a wonderful life. Welcome, Luella. Thank you so much, Kitty. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. This is so fun to have all of these wonderful Kindle Worlds people who are actually people that I already love and adore oh, on the show. Thanks. I <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, so what I've been mostly asking um, all the others is a lot of the similar questions, but okay. listening to all your different takes on it is the most interesting thing, I think, for all of us listening. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your writing life and writing career before you got into the Kindle Worlds, and then we'll start talking about Kindle Worlds. All right, that sounds good. Um, I was a, a Harlequin author for several years, and my first five books were published by uh, Harlequin. Nice. Um, not to get too heavy, but my mom passed away, and I finished the book, and then I, my creativity went underground for about, I would say, 15 years, 20 years, and I thought that I had lost it. Um, it was a very sad thing because I mentor writers for a living. I, I teach writing at a college and I teach um, series classes about fiction, teach composition, and then I mentor a few groups in my home. So writing is my everything, as they say. Yeah. You know, it, it's just an inspiring, wonderful way to go through life to be a writer. Um, so it was hard, but then. Um, I would say maybe four years ago or so, uh, I just got this inspiration to, to write again and to write a story. So I wrote a story set in 1938, I think it is, in Virginia, which is a place I've never been. Oh, wow. And um, I showed it to a few writers and they said, wow. <laughs> and you know, writers, we love, wow, <laughs> yes, our work. So it reads our work. So um, I, I ended up republishing two of my Harlequins and writing a few short stories. And actually, uh, Deborah Holland, who's a best-selling New York Times writer, um, encouraged me to get them out on the Internet. And so I published them on Amazon. So I've been published, self-published, but I've also um, been traditionally published and uh, this, this was all before I um, 
was writing for Deborah's Kindle World. Okay. So that's kind of the backstory. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how you and Deborah met. Um, like we, we already know if, if listeners uh, have already heard the interview with Deborah, we know a little bit about it, but why don't you just kind of refresh us? How did you guys meet? And then how did this, I think I should write in your Kindle world happen? <laughs> okay. So Deborah and I are, are now both members of Romance Writers of America. And as, as you mentioned, I was uh, president of the Orange County group and so fairly well known. Um, and what I was doing then was I taught at Learning Tree University and then a group of women, about 10 women, said, please, 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 could you mentor us? Could you keep teaching us? So I started a women's group in my home on Fridays. Wow. Deborah just heard about it, I believe, and she contacted me. And I didn't, I, I didn't let people come into any of my groups unless they had some background in writing. And so um, I took Deborah as a private client and um, taught her craft, taught her characterization and plotting and scene construction and all of the things that we need to do as professional writers. And then eventually she went into my um, Friday group. That Friday group lasted several years. Wow. I went on then to teach at Cal State Fullerton in the extension. And then from there I taught at UCI and I developed all of their writing programs. All of wow. fiction writing, fiction writing programs and taught them beginning, intermediate, advanced. And I already had taught marketing books at uh, Cal State Fullerton. So um, Deborah and I, when the Friday group, group uh, disassembled, um, Deborah and I kept in touch. She kept writing. She's amazing. She, she is a close, dear friend, and we write together here at my dining room table. I'm exactly where I write my book. <laughs> she sits to my right, and she uh, spoils my kitties. And, um, so we have, we have kept, kept in touch, and... I have been her developmental editor for ages, for all of her fiction books, years and years. And um, so that kept us closer yet. We had regular contact as she became a best-selling author. And I have a picture of her. She and I went to lunch at uh, King's Fish House, and I brought her a cake that um, said, congratulations, USA Today best-selling author. So she's been a best-selling author for lots and lots. Aww. And then, okay, so four o'clock in the morning two years ago, I woke up with a complete scene in my head that would not let me go back to sleep. You know what that's like. I do. <laughs> um, so I came downstairs to the computer here in my dining room, which I prefer over my office, and um, I typed it all out, and I kind of liked it. I thought, gosh, that's really interesting. Uh, um, an 18, um, let's see, what was it, 1886 in Montana, which was a book that I had just edited for Deborah. She had written a book set in Montana in 1886 or somewhere around there. Okay. So anyway, I wrote this scene and I sent it to her. Meanwhile, Deborah was on a plane, took it with her, read it on the plane, and she went to a conference in New York City she met with all her Amazon contacts who love her. And 
they had been asking her to open up a Kindle world for a long, long time. Okay. She liked this scene I sent and she said to them when they asked her again, I think I'm ready to do the Kindle world. So my book, hold on just a second. Let me show yeah. you. Rise, Rise Reprieve. Okay. This uh-huh. The, the model is uh, a good friend of Deborah's. So she suggested look at his art, his, his pictures, and I selected one of them for the cover of Rise Retreat. Oh, wow. So um, that is the first book that got released along with, I think it was about eight more authors, who, some of whom I know and some of whom I didn't know. Uh-huh. And um, so that kind of launched us. And that was in February of I think it was 2016 I was time but I think so. Wow. Yeah. Things have gone really quickly then because I think Deborah said that she was thinking there was around 60 books in the world already. Um yes. There there are roughly 60 books out there now and Amazon the sweethearts that they are allowed us to put out more than one year. And as our her stable of Kindle World, World, Montana Sky Kindle World writers grew and grew. She talked about it with, uh, at other conferences with other authors, and they tried it, and they enjoyed it. So Amazon let us put out two books a year and then three books a year. Now, I don't write that rapidly. Yeah. Too much teaching and, and gardening and other things I want to do. <laughs> But um, yeah, it, it just grew and grew and grew and it got very successful and, and some of the writers have made very, very good money and, and we have had so much fun to know each other, working with each other, sharing ideas. I would call up uh, or I would text or email Linda Carol Brad, for example, and say, what was the name of that hero in that book that, that um, ran the leather shop in Morgan's Crossing, Montana? And then she described the character for me, and I put him in my book. Nice. Collaborate that way, and it was so fun. It was. That does sound kind of great. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're part of the Facebook group, right? Um, Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, it's um, it's an invitation only Facebook group, so it it has um, just the writers that are in this Kindle world sharing ideas. We keep a Bible of characters and dates and who they marry and what their kids' names are and all of that. And, uh, and I did a map um, of Morgan's Crossing, which is where I set my books. A lot of the writers set them either in Morgan's Crossing or in Sweetwater Springs. Both of those towns were created by Deborah Holland. Wow. So I did a map of Morgan's Crossing so we could figure out where, whose ranch was where. Right, right. <laughs> oh man, yeah. What is the name of the book I'm reading right now? Is it Bright Montana Sky? Is that Deborah's newest book? That is her newest book. Yeah. Yeah. So Deborah is on the short list with Tessa Dare of the only two authors that I have bought their books at full price when my husband is unemployed and I shouldn't be spending money <laughs> because I download the Kindle samples when I tell myself don't do it. You know what will happen, and then I'll be like. <laughs> 
honey, I got to buy this book because I'm in the middle of chapter two and it's the end of the sample. I mean, there's just no other better endorsement for a writer. I told Deborah that. Yeah, it's so true. I need tell to tell her she'll hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely should tell her. I told Tessa once and she's like, you shouldn't be buying things when your husband's unemployed. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I, I'm enjoying the worlds in it. And it's fun as a reader because you're like, wait a minute, that character's familiar. I'm sure I've read them in one of the other books. And then you're like, oh, but that character isn't. This is a different pastor or um, reverend or whatever they're called. And um, I'm like, wait a minute, this one says that his son joined them. But the book that I read, I'm pretty sure that he had a daughter. Wasn't that meant? I'm sure that was Montana Sky, you know? I don't read that many historical Western, you know, sweet romances. So yeah, it's yeah. fun because you're like, your, your brain's working away trying to figure out, oh, wait a minute, maybe what I read was so, you know, one of the other Montana Sky books, or maybe yes, I'm, yes. I'm missing these because that's where those characters came from. <laughs> exactly right. You know, Deborah has this, this core of readers who read all of her books and all of her other colleagues' books that are yeah the Montana Sky series, and they love meeting up with a character that they met three books ago and finding out what they do now and seeing, seeing the description of the character again. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, it feels a little bit like a family. Yeah. Family that goes out into the world, and we're connected to all those people that are faithful fans. Yeah to hear yeah well and it reminds me of um i wasn't a big romance reader when i was younger um but i had gotten involved in a jude Devereux book with the montgomery's and then i could not not read a book that had the montgomery's in it and it didn't matter if it was 1200 or you know 1950 or i had to read every book that had a montgomery in it and this is the same it's just so fun you get so excited about you know, seeing, oh, that's the cousin of so-and-so. Oh, is that the good cousin or the bad cousin? <laughs> you know, I can relate to that because I just listened on audio tape to every one of Diana Gabaldon's Outlander books. And I'm just such a fan. She's so brilliant. She uses adjectives in a, in a, a most brilliant way. Yeah. Now I'm on to um, Anne Perry, who... Oh. A little earlier time and in London, a detective series um, with a guy named Monk, the, the central character. Actually, she has two series, and I'm listening to, to both of those. And then, um, let's see. Oh, I think it, I'm surprised you didn't mention, um, what's that? What's, oh, Ka Kathleen Widowis. Have you ever heard? Yeah, I've heard of she her. She was early I've on in the in the business yeah she was like one of the classic ones but i don't just read romance and i guess you don't either right yeah i i love um you know stephen king and dean Koontz. my favorite mm -hmm. author for the last probably 10 years is if somebody made me say this is my one author that's my favorite i would have to say jim butcher who writes the dresden files series about okay. a wizard in chicago who helps the chicago police department with unusual cases <laughs> now i have one of those it's two and it's James Lee Burke and James Lee Burke is another person who uses language to a high art he's been writing for many years I've read several of his books I've listened to several of his books on 
on audio. And I would always recommend James Lee Burke as a good storyteller, really strong characters, good motivation. And he has a respect for women in his books that I really appreciate. Oh, nice. Characters, female characters. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to read one of his. <laughs> I'll download a Kindle sample and then say, honey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Now, when I was interviewing Deborah, one of the things that she thought would be fun was um, kind of the different places where you and Linda and Christy were coming from in your writing life when you got started. So um, Linda had already, I guess, written and published some Westerns before she started writing in Deborah's right. World. Mm -hmm. uh, Christy has been writing, um, but she's brand new to a Kindle world and her writing career is closer to the beginning. But she apparently, she was telling us in her interview, uh, had written a bunch of gold rush stories that she just hasn't published yet. And yeah. that was how Deborah, you know, was like, Hey, you should consider my world. And what Deborah was telling us a little bit about you was just that you had been writing, as you mentioned, and then you weren't writing, and then this kind of kicked it off. She said it, it was kind of like you, you woke up in the morning and showed her pages and said, okay, I've written something, and she said, well, I guess I have to do a Kindle World then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, other than the short stories, you are absolutely correct. This got me, uh, just knowing Deborah and having her encourage me to get, uh, to write the, a book with the scene that I had sent her that she read on the plane got me back into writing full-length fiction. And That's wonderful. Great. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm particularly happy because I'm sure that there are other listeners who have been in the position that you were at 15 years ago where something happens and you just stop. And it's always encouraging um, to find someone who you know, no matter who or what the situation is, we're like, wait, yeah. that person understands how I feel. Maybe I can do what they did and, and come back again. Yes. And if it happens to any of the writers who are listening to this right now, um, I want to say that the time is not wasted. I went to Chapman University and finished my bachelor's degree. And then I went on to Cal State Fullerton and finished my um, master's, my bachelor's and then my master's and um, began a teaching career. And so it formalized what I was doing for free for years and years, which was mentoring writers. It's just in my blood, you know? Um, so the upside is that I perfected my um, skills, my knowledge of fiction, because I was an English major in my master's degree. Um, and it allowed me to bring a richness to my writing that I wouldn't have had unless I finished learning and I, and I may go back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very encouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My husband says that I can't go back to school and become Dr. Kitty and, you know, anything until I finish paying off the student loans from the master's degree. <laughs> tell me, tell me about it. I it's going on forever, isn't it? It is. It is. But I have to admit as much as I was, um, disappointed in many ways about what I was learning in formalized education about writing only because, and I'll say this until the cows come home, the Romance Writers of America, they know how to teach writers how to write better. They really yeah. do. And, you know, for a hundred dollars a year membership, I'm just telling everybody <laughs> it's the thing that you should consider. But there is a lot to be said about um, learning what other people have done in the past. I don't think it's all that helpful to um, creating a 
commercial fiction career, but there, it is interesting to read a book that was written, say, 300 years ago. This happened to me. One of my, um, I had to read, and, and I might have the 300 wrong, but um, uh, Gustave Flambeau, uh, Madame Bovary. Oh, yes. Yes. So that was one of the books that I had to read. And at first I was like, okay, this is, you know, like I can't even pronounce the, the name of the author. I'd heard Flaubert. of it. Flaubert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flaubert. Yeah. And, um, and I was thinking, okay, you know, this book is like hundreds of years old. I can't imagine what I would get out of it. And I'm reading it and I'm beginning to giggle. And then we get to class and we're discussing it. And I'm embarrassed because I'm coming at it from you know, I'm an American in an Australian university. My professor has a PhD in 17th century French literature, and I'm wow. writing romance and superhero fiction for women. And I'm thinking, oh boy, oh, I hope he doesn't call on me. But it's a small class, calls on everybody. Yeah. And everybody else, were they were giving all these very literary answers, you know, to his questions. And I was like, well, I can only just be myself. And so he called on me, and I just was kind of had that embarrassed face and I started giggling. I said, I can't help it. I, I thought it was really funny. I mean, they're supposed to be all, you know, fancy and on a date and she steps in horse manure. And I just thought it was really funny. And, <laughs> and he laughed. I couldn't believe it. He's like, it's supposed to be funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, I read it right. <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> oh, so I learned about um, symbolism in a wonderful class on uh, the Brontes in oh. Long Beach. Um, there, Beth Lau was the instructor, so it was Professor Lau. She was, she was wonderful. She was so um, steeped in, in the Brontes, and especially I fell in love with Charlotte Bronte, uh, you know, the Jane Eyre novel and the other novels that she wrote. And I'm always watching a special on TV, on PBS or what have you, about the Brontes' lives and and what they read and what they wrote and what motivated them because it's just all fascinating. But that was my area that I focused on was 19th century British literature. Wow. Charles Dickens and all of that. And uh. in, in Jane Eyre, there's a fire and ice theme that goes through that book. And if I hadn't had that class, I would not know that. And I would not know to recognize it in Game of Thrones and some of the other work that's out. Right. It taught me a little bit about um, symbolism, and I use that in my writing. And some author, some readers may not get it. They may not. It might go right over their head. But I don't care. I enjoy doing it. <laughs> Slip it in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, did you get started in sweet Western romance um, because you were interested anyway, or was it just like years of, of editing Deborah and having it all in your head, or how did it, that start? Right. Well, for, for Harlequin, I was a contemporary writer, um, super romance and, and Harlequin Americans, which are pretty contemporary and um, bold. And, um, but my reading pleasure for, since I was a young woman was, was historical. And that was whether it was Russian or American um, or German, these writers who wrote historical novels, I just, I just ate it up. And um, Itzhak Denison and um, um, Flaubert and of the other writers. And so I always had an interest in historical fiction. And I started 
uh, a historical fiction book that was set in the 1788 89 in Haiti, uh, oh. the only black uprising in, in world history, the only successful black uprising in world history to at least to 20 years ago. Wow. And, um, I wrote character sketches. I wrote scenes. I have never finished that book. And I know what you mean about the Valentine book, because this book is still sitting there. But it's a bigger than the than the sweet historical romances that I'm writing right now. Um, so there's, it's not on my plate right away. I'm doing all I can to write um, Montana Sky novels that are in my series. The series is called the Harper Ranch series. Oh. It's, it starts with four sisters that come across the country and settle in Morgan's Crossing and have hard times. And of course, there's a, a hero who falls in love with one of the sisters. And uh, he has issues of his own. He's got a dark secret and he has to work through that in order for them to be happy together. But um, I'm just working through the sisters and through some of the spinoff characters that know the sisters and that interact. The current one is a guy who is the bad guy in, um, let's see, bad guy, the bad guy in Rebel Love Song. Okay. That can you see that? That's a beautiful cover too. For anybody who's not watching on YouTube, you might want to go back and look at these lovely covers. Thank you. <laughs> so the bad guy in that, who was a federal agent trying to stop a suffragette, one of the Harper sisters was a suffragette writer. Cool. He ends up to be the hero in the book I'm working on right now. And so, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so you've worked for Harlequin. Um, I, I don't know how different Harlequin has become since you stopped working for them. I mean, a lot of things have changed over yes, 15 years. Yes. But so tell us a little bit about working for, with Amazon. What do you think about it? How do you like it? Okay, so uh, I work with Amazon on two levels. Um, as I said, I was Deborah Holland's developmental editor, and I became a developmental editor for Amazon as well. Oh, that's interesting. So, so I've done, and developmental editing, for those who don't know, is to look at theme, consistency of dates and names and places, um, plot lapses or, or threads that need to be picked up at the end. They're called loose ends. You need to finish it off at the end. Uh, depth, depth of character, motivation of character should be clear to the reader, all these kinds of things. Um, so it's not copy editing. It's not yeah. necessarily correcting grammar, although that's a big part of it too. Um, so I did some work for Amazon in that regard. And I'm also writing uh, Montana Sky Kindle World uh, romance, historical romance in set in Morgan's Crossing and elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. I mean... <clears throat> It's not the heavy, um, really layered, um, deep work of, of some of the early um, historical fiction romance writers that I've read in my past. Mm -hmm. it, it, I do um, make it as beautifully written as I possibly can with characters that people can relate to and issues that we've all been through or will go through in some, at some point in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. And Amazon is just fabulous to work with. They have good reps. 
who, uh, if we have a question, if we get stuck at the moment that we're supposed to launch our, our story into Amazon with the cover and so forth, um, we can just email them or call them and they'll be right there for us. So I'm working with them. That's wonderful. That's great. Wow. Well, so um, since you're an editor, you're used to giving advice, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so Sometimes you can't shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may have to bring you back on and talk about uh, what kinds of you know, self-editing people can do and when they, when they need to sure. start looking for an editor. Uh, everybody always wants to know, you know what more can I do uh, with yeah. my own work? Sure. So. Uh, but for right now, what sort of things do you think that um, if listeners are considering writing in one of the 90 or so Kindle worlds, what sorts of things uh, would you give them as advice either from your position as, um, you know, you've been an editor for Amazon and now you've been a writer in a Kindle world? So in, are you asking um, what, should, what should they think about when they're selecting a world? Uh, you know what, they're whatever... Writing. Yeah, whichever kind of direction you want to go, whatever advice you feel like, oh, I have something to say about, you know, this that would be helpful to sure. people. Yeah. Sure. So the, the tried and true advice is write what you know. And I lived in uh, backwoods of Maine. Uh, I lived in Alaska. We had very rural sections in our life and very urban sections in our life as I was being raised. I love camping, I love fishing. My brothers hunt, they subsistence hunt in um, Southeast Alaska where they live with their families. Wow. And I don't, I don't do any hunting um, and I don't need to because I live in Southern California. So I buy my food or they send it to me, which is a treat. Nice. But yeah, I, I'm, and I've also owned horses and enjoyed, you know, having horses in the family when I was married and my daughter was, was young and when we were raising her. And um, so that's, that's what I know, what I like. And so if I have a, um, a character come out of town and throw a line into the river, into Morgan's Crossing River, I'm going to know what they, how they're going to do it, what they're going to use for bait what they're going to pull out of there and so forth. I would have researched it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the Kindle world that I'm in works for me. If someone else has been watching Star Wars forever and is fascinated with space or with fantasy or with um, science fiction, and they are a writer, they have, you know, done their homework about craft. Yeah. I think they should choose a world that's more suitable for their interests, what they love and what, what they would sit down at a computer for months on end and, about and be thrilled with it and be interested in it. Yeah. So that's what I would do is I would look for a topic that really touches their heart. Yeah. And do you think that um, writing in the Kindle world is, I mean, it seems like it's one of the ways that kind of helps jumpstart you back into a full-time writing career. But on the other hand, I mean, you just, you woke up with a story idea and that's what happens to us. So I don't know which one's the chicken and which one's the egg, but any advice about people who are trying to decide, well, maybe I should just 
you know, go my own road and either self-publish or traditionally publish outside of, um, you know, looking into Kindle worlds. Some people are just going to be trying to decide, I don't know, is it for me? So there's a, there are a few benefits from going into a Kindle world. One is that you would have uh, a fabulous mentor like Deborah Holland to talk with about her world and her vision, because you can't go against the original vision. That would not be fair to the readers. Right. So um, that's, that's one benefit. Another benefit is um, collaborating with fellow writers, like we do on that secret Facebook page. It does sound so fun. I don't write historical Westerns, and it makes me want to, just so I can be part of it. <laughs> I hope you do, Kitty, and I think you would. Well, I have read your work. You're already a, a wonderful writer, and I think you'd be a great um, addition to the stable of writers right now. Thank you. So from that standpoint, it's, it's less lonely than being a one-off novelist. Yeah. You have been there. I have been there. And I am enjoying sharing with Linda Carroll Brad and with Kit Morgan and with uh, so many of the wonderful writers that are, that are in Deborah's Kindle world. Um, so that would be one benefit, I would say, is that you're not alone. You, you have advice from fellow writers. Of course, you could do that in a critique group of, you know, and, and many people do. But right. being specific to this world is also helpful. Yeah. And if you go off track and, and um, start talking about mining in the 1880s, um, then um, you share that with one of the other writers. They can correct you and say, wait, Lou, you know, that's, that's not how it happened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Christy was telling us this interesting story about how um, she she likes visiting, you know, historic sites, and she visited a site, and then uh, I'll let everybody, you know, listen to the interview themselves and get the get it correctly, but um, I think she said that she went to this historic site, and then the, the beginning of the uh, tour guides, you know, little spiel was, you know, this is the person who originally built and owned this building, and she was like, wait, this is a guy I've been researching and I didn't even know this building was his building. And she said, she just like totally got all geeky and happy. And <laughs> <laughs> it does sound fun. <laughs> yeah. Research is fascinating. And I think the research is fun. Now, if I could, I would go to all the sites. And when I was writing for Harlock, when I did do that, I went to Patrick's point and camped in Northern California and a number places and I, I did a book launch in uh, in some small towns in southeast Alaska and then ending up in Juneau. So, you know, there's some exotic uh, travel associated with writing, but you don't have to do it because the internet is so accessible now. But yes. historical um, research is available through the Smithsonian, through um, individual internet um, websites, of aficionados. It's, it's just tons and tons of research available to us and it can be collab, um, corroborated by other sites. So yeah. Right. It's great. I love it. Oh, this sounds great. And do you have like a special thing that you're particularly interested in? Like Christy has that special thing about gold rush days and that sort of thing. Well, um, I think ranching or the people that are associated with ranching, because I love horses. I always yeah. love horses. 
and um, I know a little bit about them. Um, but the, there's another thing in my books that I just re recently uh, discovered that I write about, and that's secrets. Oh. So every one of my characters, whether it's the hero or the heroine or both, has a secret in some way that they have not dealt with in life and they need to deal with in order to be worthy of love and the, the happy ever after. So for example, this, this hero um, is Jewish in a Western town and so does not make a big deal about that. And he had a, um, a uh, abusive father. So he has some issues about leaving the family and going on his own and ending up in a small uh, mining town. The heroine in this book. Um, and for people who are listening, we're talking about Rebel, <coughs> excuse me, Rebel Love Song. Rebel Love Song. Okay. So, um, the heroine in this book uh, has always had something about um, um, making things right for women and for children. So she's a suffragette in the 1880s when it is, has been sort of well known in the newspapers for about 20 years. Her mother was a suffragette as well and then kind of capitulated and became married and left that business. And this young heroine thinks, Jessamine thinks, I'm not doing that. Well, she hadn't met this character yet. <laughs> but everybody has a little bit of a secret going on. Yeah. Books. And um, it's nice to realize that that's what I'm writing about so I can be open to it for the next idea. Yeah. It's funny how it, it'll take a few books sometimes for you to go, oh, I keep writing about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I found that in mine too. I have a tendency to write uh, heroines who seem to be a bit ditzy and, you know, a little flighty who actually find, uh, kind of find their own power, you know, their own power in life to, um, you know, but not to control other people but to just find that they have, uh, they have the power to do with their life what they want, including to love people, to work in what they want to do. Um, yeah, to make the world a better place. They have power to make the world a better place and stuff yes, like that. Yes, I love it. Wow, that's great. <laughs> but it yeah. took me three or four books to figure out that's what I was writing about. <laughs> yeah. Raymond Obsfeld uh, is a wonderful teacher for novel writers, and I was lucky enough to be mentored by him in my early days. Um, and he found that he wrote, he wrote really funny gumshoe detective novels when he was first getting published. And um, it took him a number of books to figure out that all of the characters he was writing about were him. One of the central characters was Raymond. That's awesome. And so eventually he broke out of that to uh, do character development that wasn't him. But it was kind of interesting to hear a really great novelist and poet uh, talk about having to learn not to be just you in the, in the central character role of the book. It was cool. That is cool. Wow. I wonder, do you know if he's written anything like books for writers? That's a really interesting topic. I would like to read more about it. Yes. I can send that to you. Um, I, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. And now, okay. Let me just say that Raymond Obstfeld is O-B-S-T-F-E-L-D, and you can go on Amazon and find his books, and he's, he's very good. 
Excellent. I know I've heard his name, so I don't know if I've heard it um, because of fiction or nonfiction, but his he, name is He just retired from Orange Coast College. Okay. Very cool. Luella, this has been so interesting. I want to keep going, but I think it's probably time for us to stop and we'll, we'll just have to bring you back and, and talk more, especially about anything that has to do with, um, you know, craft. I love the idea of. I would be so happy to do that, Kitty. This is oh. so fun for me. Awesome. All the writers to go for their dreams. Oh, thank you for saying that. Everybody needs to hear that sometimes more often than other times. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, listen, where can listeners find you in your books? All right. So if you um, go on the internet and look up <laughs> Nelson, you're going to find my Facebook pages. You're going to find my website. You're going to find um, everything that my blog, everything that you need to um, find on me. And you can go to Amazon and look up my books. And if you go to my Luella Nelson author page on Amazon, you'll see all the books, the books from long ago and from most recent and short stories and all of that. Excellent. Excellent. And for people who are only listening, it's L-O-U-E-L-L-A, Luella Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here. It was my pleasure, Katie.